a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Romans. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, although perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here, the Spirit is saying to the church.
were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him,
Because the Spirit, like the wind, blows where it will. And it is the Spirit by which we are born from above. So Jesus was offering to him transformation of life, not by anything that he could do, by what God alone could do. Now this week, John offers to us a sharp contrast to Nicodemus. The center of the story is a woman. She is Samaritan. And she has no name. And it would be easy to focus on her as many, many servants have, thinking about her sinfulness and thinking about her needing to come to God and be forgiven. But I think that this is the mark. This is a woman whose life has been really destructive. She has had five husbands. Now that may be because some had divorced her, and you know then a woman could just be put out by the husband. Some may have died. And now she was with someone who was perhaps offering her a bit of protection, offering her a way to survive. But her life was a drudgery. Day after day after day, she had to come to the well, fill her jar, and take it back to her home. Her life was difficult. She was on the margin. She wasn't thinking about the law. I don't think she was particularly thinking about how she could be righteous before God I think she was just trying to get through every day. And then, into this, comes Jesus. He's been traveling on the road, he's tired, and he comes finally to that wonderful place, Jacob's Well. Some of you may have visited Jacob's Well in Israel, and maybe even drunk the water from that well. I did, and after I did, I thought, maybe I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> Here's Jesus at the well. The woman comes, and he asks her for a 
actually participated in the installation because uh, she's in a colleague group with uh, Rabbi Darby. And the whole evening was just one of wonderful celebration. Uh, the, the dancing that followed was truly incredible. If you've ever been at a Jewish wedding, it, it just translated. It was the same thing. It was amazing. But also was amazing the singing that we did together and the hymns that were sung, the prayers that were offered. And as I sat there, I thought about the fact that uh, Becky and I had been invited to be there. And we had been invited to be a part of that Jewish celebration of their rabbi, in spite of the fact that over the centuries, Christianity and Christians have persecuted Jews. Anti-Semitism was very much alive for so many Jews, for so many generations. And last night, as the rabbi who offered the keynote speech uh, talked about the fact that uh, anti-Semitism isn't a problem for the Jews, it's a problem for Christians. And as I thought about that, I thought about the differences in the ways in which we separate ourselves from one from another, how we draw lines, we don't want to step across that line. How we see thresholds that we don't think we can get across. One of those thresholds, thresholds for us, I think, is to reach across to our brothers and sisters who are Jews. But there's more than that. I remember this at the time at a, at a funeral when someone related to me that she was talking many years ago about the pharmacy that she went to with a, with a friend. And the friend said, oh, that's the Catholic pharmacy. <laughs> I didn't know pharmacies had religion. <laughs> we tend to draw lines so many times. And I think that God finds it important that we continue to separate ourselves one from another. But I think we hear in this gospel lesson, at least one part, is that Jesus is showing us that no matter how, how stark that line has been drawn, we are called to step over it. We are called to be in relationship with our brothers and sisters who are also children of God. And so here's Jesus breaking all the rules as he intends to do with this woman with whom he should not be present in public. And they start to have a conversation. And in the beginning, she is a bit put off by it. Why would this Jew talk with and then he begins to talk with her about another kind of water. First she takes it literally, like Nicodemus, couldn't figure out how he could be born again, went to his mother's womb again. Well, she does the same thing. She thinks that he's talking about water that will never run out. So she isn't going to have to make this trip every day back and forth to the well. But then as it unfolds, it becomes clear that Jesus is talking about water quenches the thirst of the soul, something much greater than anything that she could imagine. And she hears this, and when she does, she recognizes in him, after he says, I am, referencing himself to Messiah. The first place that occurs in the Gospels, she is the first creature in the Gospels. She goes back and proclaims the good news to the people of the town. And this is also the first place in the gospel where Jesus is recognized as the Savior. So it's a, it's a wonderfully powerful passage of recognition of who Jesus truly is.
go back to tell the others. I think that in this encounter, Jesus discloses that God is an unbounded God, that God is indeed a lover of souls. One of my favorite prayers in the prayer book is one of those prayers after the prayers, where we acknowledge God as a lover of souls. But what's so dramatic is that he is an indiscriminate lover of souls. We discriminate about who we might love. God does not. God doesn't care about our categories. God didn't care, I believe, about this Samaritan woman being Samaritan. It's all God cared about was that it was a woman who needed God's love. And Jesus brought that to her. I think the message is clear. The human categories are irrelevant to God. Our prejudices are not God's prejudices. Our attempt to limit God is always blown away by God's limitless love, limitless forgiveness, and limitless grace. The woman at the well helps us to see that we don't come to God because we are so good, or because we have done well, or because we have been good Christians. Rather, we come to God because we are drawn by the love of God. Last week, the encounter with Nicodemus showed us that it's not what we do, but it's what God does that transforms life. And this the Samaritan woman, bears witness to the reality that even those of us who feel we are completely estranged from God, that we have done such terrible things that God could not possibly love us, even those of us who have that sense of our relationship we learn from this story that transformation and new life is possible, that God still loves us. But there's something else that I want to bring before you briefly about this lesson. I asked Brian Litzenberger if he would organize this presentation of the gospel, partly because it's so long and we could just get lost in hearing the bread, but more importantly, so that we might recognize in it conversation that occurs between Jesus and a woman. I think that one aspect of the spiritual life is a conversation with the Holy, a conversation with Jesus. And that conversation goes on day after day after day, all the days of our lives. And we are transformed through that conversation. Some days, the conversation goes well. But there are other days when just like the woman at the well, we don't quite get it. We get a bit of it, but perhaps we take it too literally, or perhaps we just miss the point. There are other days when the conversation is quite awkward. That was certainly true for her, especially in the beginning of the conversation. Why would a Jew speak with me, a woman of Samaria? But thank God, there are days when those conversations provide epiphanies openings to us of the glory of heaven, or as John Wesley put it, that strange warming of the heart, those moments when we realize that we are truly loved by God. So my prayer for you, and my prayer as I continue my letter, is that our conversation 
will go deeper. And our conversation will be conscious to us. We'll be aware of it. We'll enter into it more fully. And most of all, I pray that we may have a clear sense of God's love for us. No matter what happens now or in the future, no matter what has happened in our past, God loves us. May that be the blessing
and for the well-being of all people, remembering especially the people of Ukraine and Crimea. Pray for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they may find and be found by God. I ask your prayers for the departed, especially for Brad Carter, Brad and Brenda Halls, and Nan Fritz, friend of Claudia Warhouse. Are there others? Pray for those who have died. We remember those whom we have been asked to pray. Michael, Amy, John, Spencer and Louisa, Peggy, Everett, Mary Jane, Anne, the Tillman family, Kenneth, Sharon, Olive, Bishop Tom, Greg, Linda, Matthew, the Carter family, Elizabeth, Kathy, Sarah, Barbara, Iona, Phillips, Jenna, Reverend Stephen, Don, Susan, Deborah, Frida, Bob, Judy, Bonnie, Doug, Demi, Thelma, Anne, Anna, Molly, Sophie, Jane, Harriet, Wayne, Eric, Helen, Edie, Liz, those without jobs, those serving in the military, and all who work for peace. Are there others? Pray for those for whom we care and love. I invite your prayers and intercessions at this time, either silently or loud. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have grace to glorify Christ in our own day. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us, and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls. And to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Peace of the Lord be always with you.
you sit there and you say, should I confirm it or not? What is the right thing to do? Well, for the past two weeks of the Wendt Student Study, we've had two different answers from two different ethical systems on this question. Yes, it is right. No, it is never right. You should sit there until judgment day. <laughs> uh, we have three more weeks left. You are all most heartily welcome. 6.30 on Wednesday evenings for soup and study. Thanks. And also, just a note, we stay had another hat on. There is a group tonight from 4 to 6, and I think our youth are going to redesign our church for us. Not the building, like the church. Fantastic. We're ready to be lodging.
proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come. Remembering his life, death, and resurrection, we now present to you from your creation this bread and this wine. By your Holy Spirit, may they be for us the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. Grant that we who share these gifts may be filled with the Holy Spirit and live as Christ's body in the world. Bring us into the everlasting heritage of your daughters and sons, that with all your saints, past, present, and yet to come, we may praise your name forever. Through Christ, and with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, to you be honor, glory, and praise forever and ever. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us their goals today, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power.
name of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We, who are many, are one body, because we all share one bread, one cup. Keep this your family, Lord, with your never-failing mercy, that relying solely on the help of your heavenly grace, they may be upheld by your divine protection. Through Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you.